0: But let's get into this. And so we're, we're talking about change, but there's a point I'm gonna make tonight, very short. We'll continue this. Let's get right into the verse, Genesis chapter four. This is one we used last week, and we're gonna go to Luke in a minute. This is Cain and Abel, their offering. God accepts Abel's offering, doesn't accept Cain's offering. I don't have time to get into all of that, but look at verse six. The Lord asked Cain, why are you so upset? Why are you depressed? If you had done the right thing, you'd be smiling. But because you've done evil, sin is crouching at the door. It wants to rule you, but you must overcome it. Another version simply says, why are you so upset? Why are you depressed? If you do what's right, I'll accept it. Then he says, sin lies right before the door, and you're going, listen to one version, you're going to be converted to it And if that happens, it will have authority over you. And the version that makes it really plain, simple. And now sin is waiting to attack you like a lion. Sin wants to destroy you, but don't let it. And so quickly, last week, we talked about sin by its nature. It hides itself was A. And then B was when sin always, we your sin always looks smaller than what it is. It says here that it crouches at the door or it makes itself small, which brings me to this point. I started on very, very briefly last week, and that's sin hides itself often, and justifiable ordinary feelings and if you look at the story Cain he is upset and you you just naturally glance at it and you think no big deal he's mad uh no big deal but God says no there's a lot more going on here just because Uh, As an example, this is anger. It could be anger. It could be bitterness. It could be resentment. We may look at something and think it like it is, like sin is. It's small. We may not look at it the right perspective. We may not even see it as sin. We may just think, I'm just angry at someone. I'm resentful at someone. Well, here he's very upset at God and really his brother. And God says, sin is waiting to get you. I don't think Cain would have acknowledged it even being sin. Tell you, just because you don't acknowledge something in your life as being sin, doesn't mean it's not sin. So <clears throat> he says, sin is crouching. And I gave you the example of what it means. It means to lower yourself. It literally means to lay flat. And I said, one of the first things God is telling us, that sin hides itself. It lays flat. A lion hides itself. So the prey can't see it until it's too late. At the last minute, the lion comes out. All of a sudden, it's over. Same way with our sins. It's the same thing. It hides itself. Now, I say it hides itself. And all I mean by that is it looks to us as something very small. We don't recognize it. It's, high, it's small. It's smaller than what we think it is. We look at it, it's no big deal. It's a small thing, but it's not a small thing. It's just how we look at it. He says, it's crouching at the door, and so we make our sins smaller, and I think we all understand this one. Every one of us know people that may be a certain way. They may act a certain way, and they may be grumpy. They may be on edge. They can be resentful. They could be bitter, and a lot of people like that or full of pride, oftentimes don't even see their own sin, but everyone else can see it. Do you know anybody like that? You probably know so much. Of this guy is so proud, but ask him if he's proud. He'll say, no, I'm not proud. I'm just confident. <laughs> uh, and, I, and the point I'm making is he, he won't see it as it really is. And this is one of the reasons <clears throat> that I think people do not change. Yes, we change radically when we first get saved. The obvious things fall by the wayside, generally speaking. We know some sin. They fall by the wayside. But there are a lot of other things in our life that are small because that's what it says. Sin hides itself. Your sin hides itself from you. And because you don't see it like the way you should see it, if you don't see it, then you're not going to change. So so you may be saved 20 years and be just as bitter as the day you got saved today. So how can, how can, how can this guy be literally in the church for 30 years and he ain't nothing like Jesus? Can I I talk tonight? Well, how can this be? Well, because the sin in his life or sins in his life, your life, my life, we make them so small. We don't recognize them. We don't even see them. So if we don't see them, why would we change something we don't see? If you don't see it to change, you won't change. So that's why there's some folks that never say, man, this guy don't get it. You're right. He doesn't see it properly. It hides itself. And so you choose to live that way. And there you go, it's, that's how you are, and there are a lot of obvious character traits that need to be worked out, that should be worked out, that are not being worked out. Things that really need to change your life that are not being changed, because you're not seeing it properly, it's hiding itself. Our sins, our own sins, we make them a lot smaller than what they really are. So if we're going to change, the obvious thing we have to be, is we have to be willing to take us a good long look at ourselves, all of us. Every one of us have patterns that create certain kinds of sins. The word patterns, it means simply a combination of qualities, acts, or tendencies, or mode of behavior. And so we think because our, that sin lowers itself, we think it doesn't exist. No, it just lowered itself. It's hiding. I, I, I put one down here. You know, we've all seen people that obsess with themselves and their personal appearance. And if you ask them, you know, it's called vanity. But if you ask them, I just, oh, I just care about looking nice. But no, no, it's really, actually, you taking it a step further, it's vanity. And the word vanity simply means appearance or quality or simply being conceited and so no 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 it's not just you want to look good you're it's vanity but they wouldn't see it like that that's one example so I, I don't know where you're at tonight I don't know all the areas that we need to change in you know you so this guy put together something and he says <clears throat> I'm gonna read it and as I read i to read it real slow you're gonna want me to read it fast but I'm not I'm gonna read it real slow but he don't know where he got it from. It's just a quote. He's talking about people and they're who we are and what we are. But as I read this, I want you to really think about yourself. And I want you to just tell me if you see yourself in any of this. It's simply called some, some of you. It says, some of you are prone to flares of anger, harsh language, and simply being unloving. Some of you even though you're a Christian and some of you are prone to be ungenerous with money, too cautious about taking risk of any kind with anyone. Some of you are prone to worry and to rash statements and judgment. Some of you are prone to being stubborn and not being able to repent and admit when you're wrong. Some of you are prone to jealousy, lying and lack of integrity. Some of you are prone to manipulating people, abusing your power. You're really not a team player at all. Some of you are prone to get overcommitted and really comparing yourself to other people. Some of you are cowards. Some of you are prone to divulge confidences and enjoy confronting other people too much. Then I put some of you, and there's a blank, and I don't know what you would put in there. You say, some of you, you say, I am, and you'd fill in, I am this, this, this. How many of you that are here tonight, now this only works if we both go back and be back and forth and ask you a question, I you try to help answer it, and we'll talk for a moment, it won't be very long, but how many of you recognize anything in your life that I just said? You say, you know, I recognize one of the things you said, that's me, just raise your hand. Very, very good. Okay, raise your hand again. Okay? Why don't you tell us what it is? Maui. Just kidding. (laughs) No, no, no. no. And he would. And he would. Now of course some people don't raise their hand because there's nothing wrong with them. I'll get to that at the end of the sermon. Uh, You're not you're not out free. (laughs) No, you know, he, he he goes on and on. So here it is. But if it's sin that it's unrepented of, it's not something that just goes away. If it's something that you're doing, you say, well, it's no big deal. Just because you think it's no big deal, it, 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 like one man said, it follows you, it shadows your life. And like it says, one version says, it will become a part of you and it will change you. Sin changes you. Me and Pastor Marty were talking about this differently on Sunday. We are talking about people that he's known that have left the church or pastors that have Left or discouraged, all different kinds of sin. And he said, "What's crazy?" And you've seen it. I've seen it. He says, "What's crazy about sin is we always think we can control it. We always think I I can. I can handle this, pastor. You know, I've been bitter for ten years. Ten more ain't gonna hurt me. (laughs) I hate you forever. I've been hating you for. I'll keep it. You know, whatever. But they have something and they hold on to it. But they don't realize." You think you control it. No, it will control you sooner or later. It will control you. Not only will it control you, like Marty said, what's the worst thing is how it changes people. And so when people change, the problem with when you, when you don't deal with it when, and you, don't, when you won't repent, it changes you. And the truth is it changes you and you don't even see it. You meet someone that used to be serving God in church, love God, see them out of this church for five years, talk to them, and they're not even the same person. And you say, man, how it, like Marty said, it's crazy how it changes people. You're not the same person I knew five years ago at all. You're not the same person. But they don't see it. Now... <clears throat> Like one man said, it's not surprising that haters are hated, cowards are deserted. It's not surprising that gossips are gossiped about because sin always has a boomerang effect. It comes back. It weakens your will. It blinds you more and more. John Owen, and he writes in a book about Christian sins, and he says, this, A Christian now is killing your sin or your sin will be killing you. You need to be constantly after it. Remember I gave I, I shared the story and I thought about this <clears throat> the woman the Alabama Alabama jail guard Vicky White remember she shoots herself she takes off with the murder suspect Casey White it was an 11-day chase it was terrible because at the end what happens to this this guard she shoots herself remember that she kills herself it was tragic and i mentioned when i talked about it that she was one of that she was one of the most honorable Workers there. She was up for the best worker in that facility. She was the most trusted, most worthy. It went on and on. She had all these great qualities. And I thought, well, how if you have all these great qualities—you're loyal, you're honest, you have your integrity. In fact, you're voted the number one employee. How would you end up like this? Well, I guarantee you this: she never thought it would end up with her killing herself. If you'd have said, "Vicky, me talk to you. You're talking to this, this, this." Uh, this prisoner here in the jail, you're talking to him. It's not good. You're talking to him. Just you're talking to him. I'm just talking to him. Uh, you know, if this keeps going, he can go on. He can, he can lead some, how can lead someplace bad? I'm a guard. He's, a, he's, just a, he's in the jail. I'm a, you know, I'm a, super, I'm a superintendent. It's nothing bad's going to happen to this. What are you, what are you worried about? Uh, she would have never even dreamed that it would take her someplace. Sin always takes you someplace you never plan to go. And so I, I started reading around a little bit. And I was trying to find out how Vicki got to this place. You want to take a guess on how she went from the guard in command to this prisoner in the jail telling her what to do and how to do it, how to manipulate her? How do you think it got to that point? Anyone want to take a guess? Brother? Loneliness? Who? Her? She was lonely? one attention. Okay. Someone else? Temptation. Temptation? I mean, what's the I'm not trying to be funny, but what's the temptation? He's locked up. He's like, hey, get together. You're locked up. (laughs) What's that? Okay, Oh, good one. Okay, someone else? By the way, listen, you can't flunk this part, okay? You may give a crazy answer. We're all going to go praise the Lord and we move on to the next question or next (laughs) comment. So don't worry about it. Okay, good. She underestimated, the threat. she underestimated the threat. All very good. Anyone else? Very to what said, but overconfidence? overconfidence. He was a she was a, talker? He was a talker? Oh, he was a smooth talker. You think she was a talker? I'm just asking, do you think? You didn't think it would happen to her? Do you know anyone that ever happened to you? They say this never happened to me and it happened to him. Do you know anyone? Nick? Okay, good. Okay. Okay, someone else had the hand raised here. I'll go on quickly. Well, okay, when I, when I looked this up, there's a couple of things that I found out about this situation. They said what they thought was she started talking to him a little more and more and more. It really doesn't matter who you talk to on social media. Who, you, who you're talking to, you know, as a parent, You got kids, the problem today is there's so much available to children like this one young man who just died of fentanyl poisoning, and his mom and dad found out that through the internet, through social media, you can buy drugs all day long. Most people don't know that. Some of you didn't know that. I hope I didn't tempt you. (laughs) So you know, I didn't know that. (laughs) Wow, what can I get? Well, you can get anything you want through the social media. And what happened, this guy's an honor student, straight A student, a very very good young man, And he bought some pills online. You can buy anything online. Most of them come from India or China. The purity, you have no idea what the purity of. He thought he was just buying some oxycodone. He bought some pills that were laced with fentanyl, and he died. Obviously, immediately, parents came home, thought he was in his study room, head was on the desk, and they realized what had happened, and now there's a big lawsuit and stuff going on, but the father said, how can my, how'd this get in my house, fentanyl in my house? He's honest, he's my son. How can my, what happened? They traced it all, social media. So they said with her, she started talking to him. It really matters who you talk to. Your mom and dad aren't crazy, and they say, don't be talking to that guy or don't be talking to that girl. You know, let me see your phone. And so, you know, Sometimes young people get really mad, but the truth is, you think oh, it's innocent. It is innocent, but it doesn't mean it's going to stay innocent. And the guy you're talking to ain't even a guy who knows what it is. <laughs> I literally, today, who knows what it is? And they said, it matters. Eve took the time. What happened? She's not talking to Adam, her husband. She's talking to Satan. The Bible says she's talking to the devil. Satan's in the garden. You know you got a problem in your marriage when your wife's talking to Satan. <laughs> and she's not talking to you. Why didn't she talk to Adam? Why didn't she say, hey, Adam, you know what? I was out by the, by the garden today, man, I just saw Satan. I was wondering, what do you think about Satan? You know, I think Adam would have said, hey, girl, stay away from him. What happened? I didn't see him. But no, No talking. When you're talking... And she kept talking to him and she kept talking to him. We know what happened. He gets in her head. She gives him way too much real estate in in, in, in her head. And so it does matter because in talking, you and I are social beings. We can change one another just by talking to each other. And they said she started talking and people noticed it. They said, hey, you know, you shouldn't be talking to him so much. She goes, What are you talking about? He's a nice guy. I'm just trying to help him out. And she kept talking a little bit more. A little bit more. And then it said, <clears throat> then she started. Guess what happened? You start talking too much. What do you think that led to Then they noticed that she started liking him. You're a supervisor, making a decent wage, gainfully employed. He's a murder suspect, he's locked up in jail. How could you start liking him? Someone throw throw something out here. Well, how do you think he started liking well, How do you think she started liking him? Someone quickly. Okay, not you guys. One of the ladies. Someone, lady, tell me. How did she start liking this guy? He probably complimented her. He probably complimented her. There you go. You look nice today. I like what you wear. Same clothes every day. Same uniform. <laughs> oh, I love the outfit today. I just love it. You look so, you look so hot in that. You know, whatever. Okay. I don't know if he did that. He's kind of crazy, but someone else said that. Okay, sister. What's that? That's what they said. They started talking, a little more talking, a little more. And people noticed it, and then she started liking them. And then she started doing small favors for him. And then she, they said she started doing more favors for him. And they got to a point where she crossed the line. That's, I know it's a picture of a relationship, but that's a perfect picture of your sin. You like it, you keep it going, you keep it going. You feed it, it gets more and more and more and more, and you like it more and more and more. It's taking you somewhere, you don't think it's taking you anywhere. And then what happens? You cross the line. And once you cross the line, you can't uncross it. That young man who took the fentanyl, he couldn't uncross that line once it was taken. He didn't know that. He didn't know. He, was, he had no idea he was about to die. And so he, she crossed the line. So let me move on quickly. <clears throat> Let's go to Luke chapter 15 just for a few minutes. Like six minutes went end here, but I got to get to this at least part of this. Luke 15, everyone knows the story, but it's a story of a family, a church, a relationship, a community. It's basically being down. He's going to leave his father, leave his brother, leave his community, leave his faith, leave his nation. He's leaving everything he believes. We would say, we look at it like this guy is a backslider. He's leaving everything. He's leaving his faith, leaving his father, leaving his brother, leaving his church. That's what happens. The prodigal does, simply, okay? Let's read it quickly. I'm going to make a few comments, and we'll have to end there tonight. Luke 15, he spent everything he had, then a severe famine spread over the country, and he was left without a thing. So he went to work for one of the citizens of the country who sent him out to his farm to take care of the pigs. He wished he could fill himself with the beans the pods the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything to eat. At last, he came to his senses and said, all my father's hired workers have more than enough to eat, and I am here about to starve I will get up and go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired workers. So he got up and he started back to his father. He was a long way off from his home when his father saw him. His heart was filled with pity and he ran and threw his arms around his son. He kissed him. He said, Father, the son said, I have sinned against God. I have sinned against you. I am no longer fit to be called your son. So let me get to this real quick here. I got to at least get to the first point. <clears throat> for the son to ask for the father to go to his dad and say, Dad, I want my portion of my inheritance, that was probably, probably the most disgraceful thing he could do. He, that's, that's one like, it, it's one, it, 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 was, it was like one commentator said, It was like telling your dad, I wish you were dead so I can get my portion, but I'm going to wait till you're dead, so give it to me now. They said it was very dishonorable. Let me tell you something about honor. When you dishonor your parents, you dishonor authority, I don't care what the authority is, there's something whacked out in your life. It makes perfect sense why he would end up in an unclean place. He's an unclean person. He's got an unclean heart. I can see where you end up like that. You you dishonored God, you dishonored your father, dishonored your brother, dishonored your church, and you think you're gonna end up in an honorable place? That's not a way to have, a foundation of your life should never be to start off with dishonor. He's going to go rebuild his life built on what? Dishonor. I dishonor my family. I dishonor my faith. I dishonor my dad. I dishonor my brother. I dishonor my community. He dishonors everyone. That's no way to start a new life. But that's exactly what he did. There's something about when you and I honor God and honor others that God honors us. It makes perfect sense that he would do what he did leave the country, show up in Vegas, party, and he has nothing. So he wishes his father was dead. His father gives him his portion, he takes off. That's what it talks about. But here's what I want you to notice. It's a question I have, but what is the fuse that detonates the father's love into radical action to the son's life? Now we know the father loved him, we already know that. The father loved him, loved his son. But what was it that set God's heart on fire? What was it that... The son did. Well, I'll tell you what it was. What it detonated and what made it possible was his repentance. His repentance touches God, and he felt the hands of God. He felt the warmth of God. He felt the forgiveness of God. God was close to him at that moment. Well, what brought God that close to your life at that moment? One word, Repentance. The Father represents God. We know that. So the fuse that detonates the love of God to explode in your life or my life is a life of repentance, which brings me to point one and give me three more minutes. I got three more minutes? Times five, okay. (laughs) The importance of repentance. Jesus said a number of times, repent and believe the gospel. The Bible says after John had been in prison, Jesus went to Galilee preaching the uh, the good news about God He said, the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God is near. Turn away from your sins. Believe the good news. Matthew 4 says the same thing. Turn away from your sins for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is near. What is Jesus saying? Pretty simple. He's saying, if you don't repent, I have nothing to do with you. There's nothing I can do for you unless you repent. God's hands are tied on someone that's unrepentant. You want to feel God's love? You want to feel God's help? You want to feel God's grace? You want God to step into your life and help you? Well, you know, we can only do so much, but you you got to get your heart right with God yourself. You, know, you work with people that are, that are borderline saved. I don't know what that really means, but you know what I mean. They're trying to live right, but, or people that are unsaved, and they and you help me do this, and you help them do that, and you, you give them some money, or you feed them. That's all great stuff, but the bottom line, sooner or later, that person you work with, they've got to meet God themselves. You want to experience God's love? You want to experience God's provision for your life? You've got to repent yourself. Otherwise, his hands are tied. We can only do so much. To repent means change one's mind, change one's heart, it means turn back to God. This is has some lexicon, Greek lexicon. It says change the way you think or act, change your heart, to be converted. The verb means to change one's life due to complete change of thought, attitude towards sin, and righteousness another man said repentance is turning away from sin and turning towards god it's a change of mind it's a forsaking of sin it is putting out one's thoughts and behavior it is resolved never to think or do that thing again and here's probably a better one it says the change is turning away from lying stealing cheating immorality cursing drunkenness and the so-called glaring sins of the flesh but the change is also turn away from the silent sins of the spirit such as self-centeredness, selfishness, envy, bitterness, pride, covetousness, anger, evil thoughts, hopelessness, laziness, jealously, jealously, jealous, how do you say it, jealous, and lust. So there's two points, they say, for repentance. There is a negative turning away from sin and a positive turning towards God. It is a turning to God away from sin, whether it's sin of thought or actions, and B, Repentance is more than sorrow. Sorrow may, be, may or may not be involved in repentance. A person may repent simply because he wills or acts to change, or a person may repent because he senses agonizing sorrow within. But the sense of feeling sorrow is not necessarily repentance. Repentance is both change of mind and actual turning away one's life from sin towards God. Repentance gets you in the game. Let me end with this. I am with this. Martin Luther, he, it's it's called the 95 Theses. He says this. In this document, he says, he's talking about understanding biblical Christianity. He says, all of life is repentance. The weak say, and this is how the world thinks, the world thinks repentance is, only the weak repent. Martin Luther says, all of life ought to be a life of repentance repentance is not a sign of weakness repentance is a sign of strength now I'm gonna end it here he says all of life as a Christian should be filled with a life of repentance when you repent there's so much freedom in that I'll get to that next week there's so much freedom in just repenting when God speaks to your heart you repent and what happens you meet God God meets with you and guess what happens you change It's not a sign of weakness. You come to an altar, even if it's every service, it doesn't matter. You come, you talk to God. That's a powerful thing. In fact, I would probably say the people who come to the altar the most are probably the people that change the most. I want you to bow your heads tonight.